Hey, hey, and welcome to episode 39 of the Computer Business Marketing Show. Our show today is brought to you by Tech Site Builder. Tech Site Builder is a hosted website builder that allows you to quickly and easily get a clean, professional, and effective website up and running for your IT business. Save time and frustration with Tech Site Builder. Learn more at techsitebuilder.com. It's also brought to you by Computer Business Breakthrough. Computer Business Breakthrough is an online training program where you can learn how to escape the grinding break-fix mindset of cheap clients and feast or famine finances so you can focus on becoming a truly sought-after expert in your field. Check it out at computerbusinessbreakthrough.com. Now, how does marketing change from running a part-time business to running a full-time business? We're going to answer that question today with Chanel Tull from Conversion Owl Marketing. We'll see how marketing changes when you make the leap to full-time business ownership, because she recently did that in her own business. Plus, we'll dig into Facebook and Google ad tips with Chanel. All that and so much more coming up right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Computer Business Marketing Show. If you own or work in an IT services business, this is the place to be to learn how to get more clients, keep them happy, and grow your revenue. You can watch, download, and or subscribe to all show episodes at computerbusinessmarketing.com. You can also catch our live stream on Facebook right now every Wednesday or Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern. Just be sure to like the Tech Site Builder Facebook page, Click the following tab, and then in that drop-down list, select See First, so that anytime we go live, it'll jump to the top of your newsfeed, and you can check it out. As always, we love to see you live watching the show, love to get your feedback. We always do a little chat about the weather <laughs> beforehand, you know, uh, small talk, but still it's fun to see how uh, folks are doing in other parts of the country, other parts of the world. Um, and that's the the fun part of having a global audience like you do on Facebook. You get to see how things are going all across the world. Awesome. Well, today uh, I'm excited to have uh, Chanel Toll on. Uh, she has a company um, called Conversion Owl Marketing, and she does uh, Facebook ads and Google AdWords consulting for small businesses. And she's going to be on, uh, her and I are going to actually kind of compare notes about how marketing transitions and changes from when you're running a business part-time to when you take it full-time and what, what things you need to keep in mind and what things you need to consider and how you know the marketing efforts need to kind of ramp up as you take it full-time. Um, so Chanel recently uh, took her business efforts full-time and uh, I had that same transition a few years ago. So we're going to kind of talk about um, our experiences there, and hopefully help you guys out as well. We'll also chat a little bit about uh, Google Ads and uh, Facebook Ads and all of that stuff. So stick around for that. Uh, before we jump into the interview, though, just want to kind of take care of a few housekeeping things. Wanted to remind you guys of the Unconvention 2018 is happening in Chicago this year. Uh, we're still working out the details, but we're very close to uh, releasing the venue and the hotel. Uh, we've got a couple awesome guests lined up and a lot of other cool things that we're going to be announcing pretty soon. So in order to uh, be uh, the first to hear about that, head on over to unconvention.io and get on the waiting list. Uh, and then we'll let you know when tickets are available and when all of the other cool info is available. 
But I'm super excited about this year. We're kind of taking it to the next level from the last couple years of the Unconvention. And uh, I can't wait to share that stuff with you guys. But for now, just head on over to unconvention.io and sign up for uh, updates. Also, speaking of updates, uh, another place you can go to get uh, a different type of update is head on over to computerbusinessmarketing.com. And that's where you can sign up for the Computer Business Marketing Newsletter. And the newsletter is a weekly digest of kind of the top marketing news from around the internet. And, uh, you know, um, we also have the latest podcast episode there. And if I do any kind of videos, we'll be there as well. We also share share some of the top posts from the Facebook group. So, you know, just get your weekly dose of marketing goodness and, uh, and kick off your week on the right foot. So sign up for the Computer Business Marketing Newsletter over at computerbusinessmarketing.com. Uh, finally, we actually have a, a review, and I'm sorry to Brian. This is uh, our, our big fan, Brian, who left us a Stitcher review, and I had been forgetting to check reviews on Stitcher, so I didn't see this one. This is a few months old now, but Brian left a review, a five-star review. We really appreciate it, Brian. And, and he said, uh, really enjoy listening to the show each week as I run two small computer repair businesses, and this show gives better advice than some marketing companies I've dealt with. Actually, their advice and and the knowledge they give in the podcast relates to most other industries and not just the computer repair repair type companies, uh, as we are all basically trying to get our brand out there, get more and better quality clients. Great, uh, Brian, great insights. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, uh, all the stuff we talk about in the podcast is really general marketing advice, but I, you know, as a former computer business owner, I try to focus it in and kind of apply it to you guys. Cause I know you could listen to a generic marketing podcast or read generic marketing articles. And then it takes kind of a, an extra effort to figure out number one, if it applies to you as a computer business owner, but number two, how you can apply it uniquely to uh, it businesses. And that's something we try to do with this podcast is take all of the, the inundation of different marketing ideas that are out there and, Kind of cherry pick the ones that we that I think will work well for computer businesses, and then uh, and then present it to you. So I'm glad Brian that you're, you're appreciating that. And uh, if you guys want to leave a review for the podcast, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, just you know wherever you listen to it, iTunes or Stitcher, um, leave a leave a review. And I will try to check. I, I check iTunes and Stitcher, but if there's some other place that's out there that you can leave a podcast review, let me know. Uh, and uh, let me know that you left a review, and I will uh, I'll read it on the air. So appreciate that. Uh, and uh, that's it. So let's go ahead and before we jump into the interview, just want to mention our first sponsor, and that is TechSite Builder. TechSite Builder is the place to go to get a computer business or a, sorry, a website up and running for your computer business. Not a computer business up and running for your website. That wouldn't make sense. No, it's a place you can go to get a website up and running for your computer business. Um, what, what TechSite Builder does is it gives you a platform with all the tools you need to build a website that's specifically optimized for computer businesses. So we give you, <clears throat> sorry, we give you all the tools you need, but none of the tools you don't. So, you know, if you were to install a WordPress website and, you know, grab a, a template from somewhere, you'd have all these extra widgets and you know, doodads that you probably don't need with a computer 
repair business. You just need some very specific things. Um, also, you it's TechSite Builder is optimized for local businesses. So we have all the code in the background that we use stuff like schema markup and uh, you know this coding stuff in the background to tell Google, hey, this is a local business. Here's the address. Make sure you know that this is the address of the business. Um, all that stuff is optimized, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, it's fast. It's secure. So all you need to worry about is building an awesome website, adding your own content, maybe updating the blog posts, um, throwing a picture of your shop and stuff on there, and then you'll know that you have a good-looking, solid, optimized website uh, and then you don't have to worry about it. Then you can go back to running your computer business and leave the rest to us. So if that sounds good, if your website needs an update, it hasn't been updated in a while, if you're not getting any clients or any leads from your website, uh, then it's time to check out TechSite Builder at techsitebuilder.com. All right, guys, without further ado, let's get into the interview. Today, I have Chanel Tull on. She is the owner of Conversion Owl Marketing. A, uh, a marketing service that does Google ads and Facebook ads for small businesses. Uh, she also runs a blog called Hustle to Startup, where she talks about her journey uh, from part-time to full-time business ownership. Welcome, Chanel. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, no problem. Glad to have you. Um, so I always like to talk to folks who are at various stages of running their own business. And I think your your case is unique because not only are you running a marketing business, and so you're kind of deep into the the Facebook ads and the Google ads and, and all that stuff, but you're also recently transitioned from part-time business ownership to full-time business ownership. So that kind of, um, you said it was what, like uh, summer of last year that that happened? Yeah, June of 2017. Yeah, so... You've got that that experience kind of fresh in your mind, and you've been blogging <laughs> about it at Hustle to Startup. And um, you know, I know from blogging about my experience that when you when you write something down, it kind of cements it in your head that much better. And you like the things that happen in your in your um, experiences. Uh, you tend to remember them, and you tend to like think through them better because you're trying to write them down. Um, so that kind of that helped me at least process all the things I was going through and kind of better think about the things. That, that was happening to me as I was going through the transition. Is that Have you found something similar to that? Yeah, exactly. It's just kind of uh, being able to write about it in the moment is kind of helpful to look back on in a few months. Like It's only been a few months since I started writing the blog and looking back on some of the posts, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Or just kind of learn from your past experiences, even though they were only a couple months ago. Right. Um, so how, how's it going? How, how have things been going so far with uh, full-time business ownership? It's going really well. Um, I've had a lot of people reach out that needed help that I didn't know needed help when I quit. So I um, ah. had a lot of referrals I wasn't expecting come my way, which is really nice. So, so how, how did you get the word out about making that transition? Um, so I had been running a personal finance blog talking about paying off my student loans. Um, and so I got really heavy into the personal finance community. And so a lot of those bloggers needed help with Facebook ads or Google AdWords some even SEO that I'm helping them with. And so I just kind of spread the word through there. It was mostly referrals from that. Very cool. Yeah, I yeah. think it's important to, um, if you're ready to make that transition to like get the word out as much as possible, let people know what's going on. Definitely don't keep it a secret. <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, you know, when you, when you let people know that that's happening, then they're like, even if they knew what you were doing before, they they think, well, maybe, you know, maybe they didn't, use your services before because I thought, well, 
you're just doing that part time. Uh, maybe you don't have time for me, or or maybe you know you don't know what you're doing, or something like that. But now that you're committed to it, they're like, oh, okay. Well, now you know maybe I'll I'll try to hire you because I have this need that I didn't think you could fulfill before, but now maybe you could fulfill. I'm thinking maybe that might be part of the reason why people come out of the word work as soon as you announce that you're going full time. Yeah, it's funny. I actually got my first paying client because I changed my Facebook or my, I'm sorry, my LinkedIn um, employer. So I had, I still had my full-time job, Uh, but I posted that I had like a company and I wrote Facebook ads and Google AdWords. And someone in the personal finance community saw that and they referred me to someone, even though they had no idea if I did good work or anything. They just saw that I was doing it. So little changes online really do help. (laughs) Awesome. Well, okay. So I, I guess that we're kind of getting into the tips now. So what I, I kind of wanted to um, start with, you know, your experiences trying to, to hustle running your business while you had a full-time job, what were some of the ways you got the word out about your business at that time? And how were you finding clients when you, you know, only had limited time to do so? Yeah. Um, So my stepdad actually started a company and he knows nothing about digital marketing. So I kind of just took over everything he was doing, um, built him a website, started him running Google AdWords, doing local SEO. So um, that helps me learn. And then I was able to tell people what what I did through that and kind of just share the the word that way. Um, But to find time, I mean, literally I was getting up at 3 a.m., going online, learning all I could, and kind of uh, sharing all of the wins that I was having with my client. I only had one at that time. So <laughs> <laughs> right. just you gotta start that. somewhere, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. Were yeah. um were you uh at that uh, at that time were you just kind of doing like freelance consulting or did you already have like the, the conversion owl name set up? Um I did have the name set up. Um I did that pretty early. I'm not sure why, but I felt like I needed a business name. So that was one of the first things I did actually. And from there, I just kind of was sharing it around as Conversion Owl. And I guess that sounded legit. So people uh, took a chance and kind of had me help them. So that was that was good. Very cool. Now, did you do anything to try to get like referrals and stuff or did they just kind of come naturally? Um, honestly, they did come naturally just because I had that previous um network within the personal finance community. Um, a lot of them just came through that, but. And you said uh, you had been, you had been like blogging about personal finance. Yeah. I had a personal finance blog about paying off my student loans. And so through commenting on other blogs and people finding that we kind of had relationships built, even though it had nothing to do with marketing at the time, once it started to turn into marketing for me, um, that's how I kind of got the word out. People just knew who I was and I was able to connect that way. I think that's a really good marketing hack that that people should use and they don't use is to establish yourself in a community mm-hmm. that is, you know, part of some kind of customer niche that you can eventually um uh, you know, provide services for. Like I know I had um his name was Eric Ham. He was a guest, an early guest on on my previous podcast called the Computer Business Marketing, not no, the Computer Business Podcast. Um, and he he had an interesting story where he started out as a as a uh, computer business owner and then transitioned to a web developer. Um, and I kind of followed the same path he did, but I interviewed him before I followed that path. Um, but anyways, he he talked about how his his business exploded because he got in with. 
uh, one real estate agent, and he he was working on the real estate agent's computer, and that real estate agent happened to be you know very well networked with other real estate agents, and that's like a community where you know uh, word spreads like wildfire. And so he was able to embed himself in that community. He started doing talks to other real estate agents and started hanging out on the forums. And that just kind of snowballed and he became the IT support guy for real estate agents. And I think if you can find a community, even if it's like a hobby, like for example, you you know had student loans that you were trying to pay off and you found a system that was working for you and you talked about it. If if you have people listening, if you have like a hobby or you know, some kind of thing you're interested in, make sure you're to get embedded in that community, start a blog because we're all techies. We know how to throw up a website, throw up a website, start blogging about it, start really being active in that community. And then, hey, by the way, I fix computers. So, you know, you'll start to become the computer fixer for that, that type of community. I think that's, that's a great kind of marketing hack that you don't need to spend money on ads or, you know, doing anything crazy. You just kind of embed yourself in a community of all these like minded people. And you become the expert for those people. And it seems like that, that kind of worked well for you. Yeah. And it actually, there's actually a tech guy in the personal finance community who did this. And in the mm. whole Facebook group, like every time someone needs help with a computer issue, they tag him. Like he is the guy. And he's yes. just established that because if a plugin on WordPress has like a hack in the back and you need to update it quickly so your site isn't up, um, affected, he'll go into that group and like publish it and like tag people that he knows that uses that. And like, he's just so helpful and people love um, just being helped by him. So they refer him out like crazy. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's another thing, you know, be helpful. Um, off, you know, don't be afraid to offer free advice and help people out. Um, I know there are some 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 folks I see who like always want to say, "Hey, I'll help you." You know, PM me, or you know, you can hire me for blah 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 an hour to answer you know some simple question. Um, when instead, if you're just being helpful, you offer up that information that builds your reputation, and and like you said, now people will start tagging you, and and you you start being the go-to person for stuff. And eventually there'll be a big enough project where they, you can't just answer a question in Facebook. They actually need to hire you. Right. Um, but if, if you're being helpful, you don't really need to worry about trying to get the work. Um, it'll just kind of come naturally. It sounds like that's kind of what happened with you as well. Yep. And people started tagging me in that Facebook group. Um, if someone was asking a question about Google AdWords or Facebook ads, they would tag me. And it's funny because Facebook groups have a search feature. So if someone else had that question later, they could search that topic and that post mm. will come up and they'll see that I was tagged. So then I've had customers come through that. Just people seeing that I was tagged two months ago and they come knocking and say, hey, I need help. <laughs> nice. So, Very yeah. cool. Yeah. And, uh, in the chat, Grant says, uh, work on selling yourself before your product. And I think that that that's a great advice. Um, it is. You know, establish that trust first, and then you can once once someone you know becomes friendly with you and they trust you, and uh, then you know you can kind of bring up anything, and and if they if it's a need they have, they'll they'll you'll be the first one they they talk to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, was it uh, was there anything else you did uh, running your business part time um, to try to get clients? Especially, let's start thinking about when you. You know, we're starting to get the idea that hey, this this is might be something I can I can do full time. 
Yep. Uh, the number one thing I was doing was networking. So I was going on meetup.com searching for marketing groups or small business groups, entrepreneurship, anything that was semi-related. And I would just go to a bunch of them. Um, mm. it, it was tiring. Like I would, like I said, I'd wake up at 3.30, I'd go to work at 6.30, come home, it's like six o'clock. And then I'd go out to a meetup. So it was like very exhausting, but it was definitely helpful. And I've met um, a lot of people in this area that have now referred me business. So it doesn't always come that day or in a couple weeks, but as you start building your network, you start getting known in the area and people will refer business to you. Yeah, that that's that's a great you know, you said exhausting. <laughs> that's that's the that's the word I would definitely describe in person networking is it's it's exhausting, but it does pay off. Um mm-hmm. like you said, it not probably not at the time, but you just again, it's kind of like showing up in the forums, right? People get to know you and you you might see the same person at different events and and you start building this this circle. And the cool thing about like the entrepreneur entrepreneurship networking groups and meetups is it becomes like a referral network, right? Because you meet people who are doing other things, um, and and then you know they can have someone. For example, you meet you know a marketer, and and I'm a computer person, computer repair person, and so they can refer their clients who have computer problems to me. I can refer clients who you know have a business that needs marketing help to them, mm-hmm. and it, it kind of becomes kind of an ad hoc uh, referral group. Yeah, cool. exactly. And even if you think it's something too similar to you, like everyone is working on websites and you're a website builder, there are so many niches that you might think you have a million competitors in that room, but actually everyone can refer each other business and you actually get more quality leads from that, I think. Right. Yeah. Like if you're the, you know, like with my example before, if you're the computer person for real estate agents and they're, especially because like a lot of those, um, verticals have like specialty software that you need to really know to be able to support it, or you know, special needs that uh, that not every not the average business will have. And you become you know that expert in that particular field, uh, and yeah, that that works out really well. And that's why I always always recommend people find a niche, whether it's a vertical niche like that or uh, like a technology niche like uh, virus removal or. Uh, data recovery, something that you can really, really be super good at, really focus on. And then, you know, you can be the person, the person that takes care of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that helps online and offline. Yeah. And it seems so counterintuitive because you feel like you're putting yourself into a rabbit hole and you're only taking certain clients, but it actually helps you with marketing and positioning. And uh, if you're doing a blog, you know exactly who to write for. So it's really helpful actually. And you, you can expand that later, but I think starting with one um, niche, so to speak, is actually really, really powerful. Cool. Yeah. Great advice. So, uh, yeah, and I, I think, you know, I kind of ran into all the same um, things you did. Uh, did you, do, do, you, do you focus locally on your services or do you just kind of open it up to whoever you get referred to? So um, because I was in the personal finance niche, a lot of them, a lot of my clients are personal finance bloggers or are financial advisors, but I also have a local photography client and uh, my stepdad is in the flooring business. So I'm not, I don't turn people away necessarily, but uh, my specialty is in the personal finance online blogging niche. So it's kind of where I am. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So for, you know, for kind of hyper local businesses like computer repair, 
I know a few things I did was like do flyer drops, um, going around to businesses and 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 trying to go inside and like meet the the receptionist, um, or dropping flyers on on cars or even going door to door in residential neighborhoods and and hanging door hangers and stuff, just trying to get the word out as as much as possible. Physically, because online it's hard to focus locally, because most communities online are you know national. Um, like forums and stuff that don't cater to a local area. Um, so sometimes you have to go out and kind of do physically either networking groups like you did or, you know, do those flyer drops or put your business card in coffee shops and stuff and <laughs> just get the word. I think the, the big thing you, you, you're trying to do when you're running the business part-time is just get the word out there as much as possible. Yeah. Um, try to find whoever you can to, to pay you <laughs> to do work um, and just start building a list of paying clients uh, and eventually, you know, you'll get to the point. So what was your threshold to say, okay, now I'm ready to take this business full time? Um, I had saved eight months expenses. So I decided okay. on a number of like how much money I needed to, if the business crashed and I couldn't get a client for eight months, I would be okay. Um, right. So that was kind of like my threshold of risk tolerance. <laughs> so yep. once I had that saved up, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. Like this time. Cool. Yeah. Mine yeah. was six months. Okay. Um, now I wish I would have done 12 months because <laughs> there was a very slow period. Like at first I had a, a wave of clients and then, and referrals and stuff, but then that died down. And then I realized like I needed to actually start marketing. And so during that, there was a, a transition period there where I was definitely hurting. So I wish I would have had a little bit more buffer room. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's different, but I would try to get as much <laughs> buffer money as possible um, before mm-hmm. you quit. And I think, you know, six, I, eight, 12 months in there is, is a good. Yeah. Go ahead. And I think, I think there's something to be said about recurring revenue too. Like I understand computer business, like the, the whole thing is usually like a one-time service or like maybe once a year, once every other year. But if yeah. you can get, if you can engineer something that's recurring, even if it's like 20 bucks a month for your customers and like, you'll come out next day within 24 hours or something. Um, most people won't use the service and you'll end up, I mean, having that recurring revenue. So it's, it's more stable in a sense than, okay, I fixed this person's computer for a hundred bucks and now I have to go find 10 more clients so that I don't run out of money next week, you know? So I I think thinking of different like creative ways to, um, add services to your business is really helpful. Yeah, that's a really good idea. You know, um, there, there's a recurring model in in computer repair and, and we call it managed services, which is basically, you know, you'll you'll put some software on someone's computer and it, it'll update it and scan it for viruses and you keep it, you know, keep it going and then you charge them monthly for that. Um, I, I think a lot of people when they're starting a computer business, they think that that's something to work up to. Like, let me, you know, just get all these one-off clients first and then eventually I'll get to the point where I can start doing managed services. But I, I, I agree with you where that's, I think it's great to think of that from the very beginning and tr- every every new client you get, try to get them on some sort of recurring maintenance uh, because it it helps your business immensely, right? With the with the predictable income and and the snowball effect of that. But I, I think it's also just the best uh, the best solution for your clients as well because it's proactive. Um, they they you know they're they're being watched and monitored and being kept updated and stuff, and and that's going to prevent issues from happening in the future. So it's a win-win, and I think there's no better time uh, to do that than right away <laughs> before you go full time, because um, yeah. that's a way to kind of hedge your bets a little bit, right? I think that's a great idea. 
Yeah, it's kind of like providing them peace of mind. And then you also get that in return because if you have that recurring income, you know what to expect. And then you can actually spend time on finding new clients instead of like rushing to just like take any business you can. So it's a great idea. So yeah, you get get those recur get that recurring revenue going as soon as possible. I like that. All right. So um so we've been running our business part-time. We're ready to take it full time. We're trying to kind of ramp things up, get a Get um, you know that buffer, that buffer money, uh, ready to fall back on if we need it. Um, once we so for you when you you know quit your job and started running the business full time, um, how did you balance the the trying to get new clients and and working on existing clients? Um, wh- how did you work that out at first? Um, it's still something to uh, work on and improve. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's it's tough because you have certain clients and you want to like wow them so that they stay around. But then you also know that you have to keep finding new clients to make sure that you have that revenue coming in. So I don't know, it's it's tough. And I think it just comes down to discipline. I set up like time blocks on my schedule to like, I'm working on this client for two hours and like this one for two hours. And then from 1 to 3 p.m., I'm just doing like prospecting and looking for new people. Um, nice. So it's kind of just time blocking and trying to stick to that, even though it doesn't always happen. Yeah, the, the, biggest, um, the biggest surprise I had when going from part-time to full-time was that I thought I would have like all this time to do all these things that I was wanting to do in my business. And for some reason, I, I felt like I had less time. Like I just, when I was running it part-time, I think I didn't feel the pressure to, to be constantly getting clients and constantly doing a lot of work. I didn't need to be, so I, I had more free time to do other stuff. When I went full time, um, I, I just my day filled up with all this stuff so quickly that it, it just seemed like I was busier when I was full time than when I was part time. Is, is that something you're running into? Yeah, definitely. And I think yeah. it's funny because I was I was waking up so early and going to bed later. And I still do that, but I only have one job. So <laughs> right. I don't know how I fill my time, but it, it works. So I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so what, what are some of the things you've done differently in marketing now that you're running your business full time, if anything? Um, so I am trying to boost my referrals because that is still my number one source of clients. So on every invoice I send, I say, hey, if you refer someone, I'll give you 20% off your next um, month service because I have re- most most of my clients are recurring, so I give them twenty percent off the next month. Or um, cool. if they're not a client, I'll give them like a hundred dollars cash or something just to kind of boost that referral network um, and keep people. By the way, that's about a great you. idea to um, if you have a recurring client to get referrals from them to you know give them a discount or like the next month free or something. I think that's a great kind of incentive, and it's not really hurting you too much because you know the next month after that they're going to go back to whatever they're, you know, whatever they were regularly paying. Right. Um, and I That's actually cool. say if the client stays on for 10 months, like I'll give you 20% off for those 10 months because mm. it's still more income than I would have had if they hadn't referred someone. And so it's kind yeah. of like benefiting both of us. So I don't know. I feel like it's just the goodwill kind of thing. So now I'm curious, uh, and this is kind of a sidebar, but I'm curious, how, how do you charge for the work? Because I've always wondered if you're doing consulting for advertising because the, the client needs to pay money towards the advertising. 
then they also need to pay you. Do you scale up what they pay you based on what they're spending on the ads or do you have like a flat fee? Um, at this point, I have a flat fee, but none of my clients are big enough to the point where they're spending like 50 grand a month. Uh, once it right. gets to that point, I'm sure I will change my pricing model, but this is how I started and it's where I am. But I've been thinking about that a lot lately because with yeah. some clients, you can't just have like that flat fee. Like one month, they'll double their ad spend and you're doing twice the work. So I don't know. I kind of tell people this is the this is the fee right now. And as we scale, we'll kind of figure it out. And they're usually okay with that. Right. So you're kind of, it sounds like you're take the kind of clients you're taking on kind of have similar needs and they kind of have similar budgets that they're, they're spending anyways. Right. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. That, that's, that's something that I've always wondered about. Uh, and I know there's uh, folks listening to this who are also kind of uh, maybe providing those types of services as well um, that might be wondering that as well. So that's, that's good to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so was there anything else that, that's kind of changed since you've been uh, going full-time? Um, I've been trying out a few different things, like cold emailing. Um, I'm just getting started with. I know it's like a numbers game, but I figure it might might as well try it. Um, yeah. I've gotten a few responses, no customers yet, but we'll see. Um, and How then, are you doing that? Are you doing it just to like, um, like the, in the financial space or are you trying to go outside of that? Um, so one of my clients is actually, he runs a conference and I love helping him with his market, his Facebook ads. So I'm trying to go after more of those kinds of clients as well. So I've been just reaching out to event, um, promoters or people who are running new conferences. Maybe they're like two years in or something. So we had really good success with his campaigns and I kind of want to duplicate that. And it's more fun helping people with like an event that has like video and fun advertising. So. Cool. So, uh, so an entirely selfish question: What what kinds of ads have you? Because fe- last year um, for the <laughs> unconvention, I tried running some Facebook ads, uh, and um, and you know it, it it was successful. We had a very small budget to do so, so we're just kind of trying to get a little bit of awareness out there. Mm-hmm. But what what have you found works as far as like um, messaging and medium uh, to for event ads? So we mostly did Facebook and some Instagram, but honestly, I think it's more of the targeting and making sure that like your messaging is doing well um, and kind of like conveying what they're going to get out of that conference. Um, carousel ads are great. Like if you have speaker images, so you can kind mm. of, they can swipe through and see different speakers that are coming. I like that. So yeah. that those ones did really well. Um, and then just like getting people excited and like sharing parts of the city, like, I don't know, for Chicago, have like a pizza emoji on there or something, you know, just like make it a little fun, but also explain what value they're going to get out of it. Do you find that um, like crazy color, crazy colorful, like um, cartoony looking images work best? Or do you find like photos that look like they almost fit in naturally into your Facebook feed work best? I think it depends on who you're targeting. Um, Dang it. There's no like silver bullet. (laughs) Oh man. I would test it. Try them both. Like, do the yep. same ad copy with one of the cartoony images and then with just a regular image of maybe a past conference or something. That's really the name of the game with, with these ads, right? You just got to test. Always. You, yeah. you never know. Yep. Another question I had, I heard this recently, was that it's more effective to, instead of artificially um, trying, to, trying to think about the demographics of who you should uh, target your, your ad to, Instead, just target to a, a general group of people and let f- the Facebook algorithm figure out who it should be targeting. 
I, I recently heard that that's a better way to go than to try to narrow down a specific audience yourself. Mm-hmm. What, what have you found to be the case? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think... I think giving it some guidelines is great. Like don't just leave it open to every single person in the United States, but or Canada or Australia, but um, give them something. Like if you're targeting men, put males, you know, like give some kind of age range, but don't go too narrow because you'll be surprised and you think, you know, your audience and you don't really. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, It's really good at understanding who's going to click and who's going to convert. So just give them the, the ability to do that. Yeah, and like for computer repair, I mean that's that's definitely like gender agnostic. Um, but maybe you're looking for like a certain age range. Like I know some folks, you know, um, like working with elderly customers, and some folks are looking for kind of the professional age, um, if like people who might be owning a business or something like that. But yeah, that's something I need to try because in the past, when I've run Facebook ads, I've tried to really focus in on a narrow niche because I'm like I don't want to show my ad to people who aren't going to be interested in it, but Facebook's algorithm is such that it's it's able to kind of intelligently figure that out based on who's you know looking at it and clicking on it and and doing it that way. So yeah, that's definitely. something I just recently learned and and that that was kind of interesting. Let Facebook do its magic. If you're only targeting like people in a city, don't do the entire U.S. Like <laughs> right. narrow where you can, yeah. but yes. don't waste your ad money either. So, um, but yeah, other than that, I would just let Facebook figure it out for you. Cool. Good. Yeah. That's less work. Uh, less work for me. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> um, but really, the work goes into like the messaging, right, and the images, and figuring that stuff out. It does. Um, and then you can use local like audiences, which are extremely powerful. Like if you have an email list of like 500 people, upload that to Facebook and create a local like audience, and Facebook will right. figure out why those people are similar, and we'll start targeting people like them, which is extremely powerful. Can't be understated. Cool. So let's see in the in the uh, chat. Brian says computer repair is gender agnostic. However, ninety percent of my calls from residential clients from my Facebook marketing are from females in the home. So that's interesting. So he discovered through his Facebook ads that there is a certain um, you know demographic of client that are drawn to his his advertising. So yeah. So that's again, awesome. you can't you know you can't assume right. Exactly. Huh. Yeah. So, okay, so that's, we kind of covered a little bit about Facebook ads. So let's talk about uh, Google AdWords because that's something else that you've been doing, right? Yep. So what, what are, um, uh, I don't know, I didn't prepare any questions for, for Google AdWords. <laughs> so just in general, what are some things that you're learning? Um, what are some things that maybe, because I know AdWords are just becoming more and more competitive. Mm-hmm. And um, what, what are some just kind of maybe a few tips that you can give us uh, when running Google AdWords campaigns that we maybe we don't know? I think. Um, Learn the basics is really important. Um, for some reason, people are great at narrowing down their um, targeting to a city on Facebook. But when it comes to Google, they do not input just the city. And I see, like, I'll be searching for something and I'm in Philadelphia and I'll see, like, a, a California company come up. And I'm like, why? <laughs> You're, like, wasting so much money. If someone clicks on that, there's yeah, no way they're going to become your customer. Wow. So um, mm. that is a big deal. And then if you have your phone number in the ad, if you're closed from 8 p.m. to 9 a.m., turn off the phone number option during those hours. Mm. Um, I've seen even like big companies do this. Like uh, I forget, it was like a big furniture company actually did this. They had their call extension still active at like 10 o'clock at night. And I called because wow. I just wanted to show them that they were doing something wrong, but <laughs> nice. nobody was there. So you kind of waste your money on those. 
And wow. then and then you send them a cold email saying, "Hey, yeah. I noticed you have this thing wrong with your Google Ads." Yeah, actually, I just posted it on my website as a blog post, so it's nice. okay. <laughs> yep, that works too. Very yeah. cool. Yep, I like that. Um, you know, for me, I think the big the big thing to to get across to folks is the difference between the person who is viewing a, a Google ad versus a Facebook ad, because with a Google ad, they're searching for a specific thing. Whereas in Facebook, they're not. <laughs> they're just your ad is kind of showing up, and uh, and so so in Facebook, you know, I think it's a, a big deal to be entertaining and to provide value. You know, lots of free value and stuff. Whereas with Google, you know, they they want their computer fixed, so you can kind of link straight to your you know your services page or hey hire us now kind of thing. Yep. Is that exactly. is that kind of is that what you see as well? Yeah, I mean, it's it's push marketing versus pull marketing. So in Facebook, you're pushing out your message, and in Google, you're they're coming to you. So you don't have to, you still have to work hard, but you don't have to work as hard to get in front of them because they're they're finding you on their own. So I think it's really important to just remember that and make sure um, with your Google Ads that you still have a call to action, like click here to get pricing or mm. something like that, so that pe- right. people are enticed to actually click on your ad. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, I, I think we covered a lot. Um, a lot of good tips about transitioning your marketing from part time to full time, and then some great. Uh, those were some actually some great tidbits for uh, both Facebook and Google Ads. So um, Chanel, stick around. I'm going to do a sponsor spot really quick, and then we'll jump into um, uh, reviewing a couple of the uh, Facebook group posts. Cool. All right. So uh, the second sponsor for today is Computer Business Breakthrough. Computer Business Breakthrough is a training course that will teach you how to take your computer consulting business to the next level. Computer Business Breakthrough is really for computer businesses who uh, you you are a solo consultant or you maybe have a few uh, a few um, uh, employees uh, and you don't really want to grow and you know you don't want to manage too many employees and you don't want to. Um, you know, grow into a multi-million dollar uh, MSP. Instead, you just want to kind of do what you love. You want to make good money doing it, and you want to increase your value. Um, you want to kind of grow your business how it is, make more money, but not necessarily take on the burdens of growing into a huge business. And that's kind of what Computer Business Breakthrough is about. It's basically the story of myself and Lisa Hendrickson, who is my co-presenter in this course, and we talk about how we became experts in our niche. So she's an expert in Outlook and Office 365, um, and I'm an expert in you know WordPress and, and websites and that sort of thing. And we found what we're passionate about, and we focused in on that. So kind of like we, I was talking with Chanel about, you know, how it seems counterintuitive to focus in to narrow down your focus on a on a very specific niche. Um, it actually turns out, you know, we've all heard riches, the riches are in the niches, right? You, you have to, in order to not be competing on price and not be competing with the big names out there to focus in and become the expert on virus removals or the expert on data recovery. You could even be like the expert, uh, on virus removals in Michigan, you know, for example, and that way you can stay local, um, and you can just be the go-to person for, for virus removals. But the cool thing about being the expert is that you don't have to just focus locally. You can broaden nationally and say, you know, talk to all of the, the, your computer repair friends and say, hey, if you, if you get a, like a data recovery issue that you can't handle, refer them to me. I'll give you a great deal. Um, and you could be the go-to person for that particular, uh, that particular thing. 
Lisa did that with um, Office 365 and Outlook. I did that with WordPress. And that's kind of what you we teach you to do in uh, Computer Business Breakthrough. So it's a video training series. There are, um, uh, let's see, how many modules were there? There are 10 modules, um, and each module has a few videos. Um, and we just kind of go through, you know, how we set up our business. So it's a very behind the scenes look at how we, you know, how we went about choosing our niches, how we set our prices to be premium prices, how we deliver service delivery to, um, to make sure that you're delivering service like a world-class uh, business. Um, we talk about choosing partners and outsourcing. Uh, and then we get into lots of marketing, like, you know, your website, um, writing blog posts. Uh, we even get into things like doing webinars and podcasts and video, uh, social media, all that stuff. So it's kind of just a comprehensive look at how you can build your business as an expert. Um, so check that out. It's uh, very affordable and uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, and hey, you get to listen to me <laughs> for <laughs> lots and lots of hours. So if, if you like this podcast, then maybe you'll like this as well. It's uh, You could find out more at computerbusinessbreakthrough.com. All right, so let's go uh, head over to the Computer Business Marketing Facebook page. If you guys aren't already in there, uh, head to techsitebuilder.com slash group. And that will forward you to the Computer Business Marketing Facebook page. And that's where we talk about a lot of cool marketing stuff for computer businesses. So uh, the first post I wanted to highlight was from Troy, Troy Wolf. And he says, wow, I ran a radio ad for five months over a year ago on the local talk radio AM station. And then it hasn't run after that for over 15 months. I just got a call because of it. Um, and, and then he asked, does anyone else have a brand awareness campaign that paid off almost two years later? So I think that's just a great, I, I chose to to bring this up in the show because that's a great example of how certain brand, especially like brand awareness, doesn't doesn't give you an ROI right away. And this, this happens with Facebook ads. This happens with, you know, um, ads you put in the paper, um, phone book, you know, stuff you put out there. Um might not result in an immediate ROI, but it gets your brand out there. And eventually, um, like for the radio ad, that's, um, I was telling this to Chanel earlier, but you know, those, those jingles in the radio ads that are like so annoying, but you can't forget them. And, and there's a reason for that. And that's because two years later, when you need the service, you remember, Oh, da, 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 1-800, whatever. And then you're like, oh, I'll call this guy. Cause I, that's the only person I remember from the radio ad. So it seems like um, that really worked for Troy. And then in the in the comments, um, Patrick mentioned the phone book where he has people still calling him, even though it's been years since he's advertised in the phone book. People keep phone books around for years, so you know he's still getting calls from that, and that's still paying off. Um, Bruce said that uh, he had some publicity in a newspaper that he gets um, calls for years later. So I think this is all just kind of great um, examples of how advertising kind of ends up paying off years down the road. Um, Chanel, have you ran into anything like this where maybe, you know, someone who you either did a, a marketing campaign or someone who heard about you years before ended up uh, using your services? Not me personally, but I know those car jingles are very catchy and I would remember them <laughs> right. if I had to go buy a car. <laughs> yes. And that's the reason. Those anno- You know, sometimes the... Uh, and and of course you have to it has to fit your personality, but those annoying ads that you just can't get out of your mind they they definitely get in your brain. 
mm-hmm. help you remember. Just make sure for all of these that your that your contact info and your business name are are you know repeated or, or upfront and and easily distinguishable, um, so that when they do try to remember you down the road, that uh, they they can. So that goes into like naming your business, making sure your business has a catchy name, a unique name, so they don't get confused with something else. And don't change your that, phone number. <laughs> don't change your phone. Oh, good point. Right? Yes, don't change your phone number. That's right. Um, so cool. So I, I thought that was just kind of a fun um, little uh, little thing that uh, that just kind of reminds you that the, these 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 branding and marketing exercises can work far down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we got uh, a kind of a long post, so I'm going to uh, wait. No, that's not it. Uh, there it is. Um, it's longish, but this this is about Facebook ads. Um, Daniel says uh, that he and his fiance are managing a part time computer business. So this this kind of applies to you. This whole episode, um, since they both work full time, but they spend a big big deal of time on it. Recently, they gave Facebook ads a shot and decided to boost one of their posts that we thought would attract people to hit the contact us button. And they said it didn't work. Not one person contacted us. Do you find this to be the norm nowadays? In previous years, I've tried the normal ads to get likes and it worked, although none seem to have turned into actual customers. We don't seem to be able to get past 255 likes and we post more than our competitors do. And I think we also post more informative content, but maybe we are attracting the wrong people? Question mark. So um, what I, I know you probably have some thoughts on this. What what advice would you give to Daniel based on on this post? I would say don't worry too much about the Facebook likes. Um, and for boosting posts, I definitely don't recommend it. Um, if you can, like you can still use the same ad, but go into the ads manager and create an ad using that post itself. Because if your messaging is correct and everything looks great, um, you can't target specific people with a boosted post. Uh, You can't say, I want to show them to my past website visitors or anything like that. And you also can't decide where it shows up. So you can't necessarily say, I only want this to be on Instagram or on Facebook. They kind of just pick for you. So I would definitely recommend taking the extra minute or two and creating the ad from the ads manager and not just hitting that shiny blue button that they make look so enticing. (laughs) They make it so so easy, right? Just click a button. Exactly. exactly. And then how do you know that your your Facebook ads are paying off? Like I know people feel like they're putting money into Facebook ads and they don't see a direct result from people calling them through the ad. So are there other metrics you can be tracking or or is it just something you do and just have faith that it's going to pay off? I would say um, check your click-through rate. And make sure it's like decent, like 3% or above. Um, If not, I would say fix your ad, make it more enticing, make people want to click on it. Um, If you're not offering a discount, offer 15% off or something that's kind of going to make somebody click. Otherwise, I mean, if your click-through rate is like (laughs) 0.02, you probably have um, either the wrong targeting that like you're showing it to the wrong people or the messaging is off. Um, So definitely tweak some things. Where should you be? Where where should you? What are some examples of where you should be leading people when they do click? Because it sounds like um, he uh, Daniel mentioned a contact us button, but to me that seems very um, very like general and doesn't really speak to a specific thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then and I'm not sure even where that led. Did that lead to his contact page or or what? But what are some examples of 
um, good places to have the Facebook ad lead when you click it? So Facebook has this thing called lead ads where you can collect like email addresses and stuff like that right from the ad. And mm. I have not seen success with them very often. Um, mm. Most of the time you pay less to get a customer through a landing page. So if you go and build a landing page either on your website or with lead pages or something, um, usually that performs better. And sometimes you don't even need a button on your ad. Just say like in the text, say like click here to save 15% and they'll click on the image and you don't need a button. Sometimes those perform better. Or like right in the I mean, image itself? Or or in the text. So you'll or just say text. like, yep. um, want to save 15% on your computer repair? Click here now. Um, we're offering this to 50 people only to kind of give some urgency. And you actually have to stick with that 50 people. Try not to lie. Mm. Um, so just tell people to click in the text and you don't necessarily need a button on the ad. So that's something to test. And like you alluded to, I wouldn't know where contact us would lead me. Is it going to call someone? Is it going to message them? And it's, if if your expectation doesn't match what it actually happens, then there could be a a disconnect there. Right. And if they don't know you, I mean, I feel like contact us is like a hard, hard sell. It's like, Oh, I have to contact someone right now. And yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, and you keep saying this and I think it just needs to be kept being said is test. (laughs) It's something to test. You said that's, you didn't say that's something that will work or that's something that, you know, you need to do. You said that's something to test. And I think that's the big thing to keep in mind is as you're doing these things, some things might work, some things might not work. But if one thing doesn't work, it doesn't mean that Facebook ads just aren't going to work for you. It just means maybe try something else or try a different approach or try different messaging, try a different type of ad, try a different targeting. There's so right. many different variables that you, that you can try. Um, so, uh, so I have a quick question before we leave, um, and this, this might help other people, but how do you manage expectations for your clients? Because I know you probably have clients coming to you thinking that you're going to be a miracle worker and you're going to get them all these clients right away with Facebook ads. What are some things you do to kind of manage those expectations? Let them know it's going to maybe take some work before they see results. Yeah. On all of my prospecting calls, like before I take money from anyone, I let them know like that first month is usually testing and we may not get as many clients as you want to. And maybe we'll get to like $5 cost per lead in month two, but month one, we might waste all of our money. And usually that doesn't happen, but I like to kind of set that expectation so that they know like it's going to take time. (laughs) Like even if I'm looking at this every day for 30 days and like, we're still trying to test and and figure out what's working, it may, it's going to take some time. So just kind of set that expectation up front. And some of that expectation setting can actually be done on the website or in blog Mm -hmm. posts as well. So that, you know, or newsletter, like a drip new, like a drip email campaign or something. Yeah. Um, and that way they're not shocked when they have that first conversation because that could probably yeah. happen. Yeah, definitely. Cool. All right. Well, um, thanks, Chanel. Um, if folks wanted to reach out to you for help with any of this stuff or if they just wanted to kind of uh, um, connect with you, where's the best place to do that? Um, I'm pretty active on Twitter these days. So hustle to startup is my handle. Or you can go to hustletostartup.com and just hit the contact me button. Cool. Yeah. All right, we'll have links to to all of that stuff in the show notes as well. So uh, thanks. Um, I learned a lot. I hope other folks did as well. Um, thanks for being a guest, and, and we'll keep in touch. All right. Thanks, Matt. All right, guys. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Computer Business Marketing Show. Uh, let's keep the conversation going, though. So if you aren't, uh, if you don't happen to be part of the uh, the live feed here, 
Go on, head on, head on over to computerbusinessmarketing.com and let us know what you think about this episode or any of the other episodes. There's comments under each episode and you can read the show notes. You can get all the links that we talk about. All that stuff is available at computerbusinessmarketing.com. Also, don't forget to join us in the Facebook group, the Computer Business Marketing Group. Uh, just go to techsitebuilder.com slash group. Uh, and then, of course, we love to hear from you in the uh, the different podcatcher podcasting places like iTunes or Stitcher. So if you listen to the show in any of those places, uh, definitely love to hear a review. Let us know what you think. Also, this show is available in YouTube, so you can always watch this uh, after the fact. If you want to watch instead of listen, you can watch in YouTube. Um, and we'd love to hear your comments in YouTube as well. Um, or just wherever you hear this show, love to hear from you. <laughs> um, and finally, don't forget to check out our sponsors, Tech Site Builder and Computer Business Breakthrough. And also check out uh, the Unconvention at unconvention.io. Thank you guys for checking out the Computer Business Marketing Show. My name is Matthew Rodella saying here's to your success. Your success.